if you just have all of your rentals owned by the trust, all you've done is transfer the risk or the liability from your personal name to the trust. But all of the assets in the trust gets exposed to everything they own. So you want to switch as much as you can and put in layers in between as much as you can so that each one of the assets are not liable for each other, that they're their own individual per se. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth season of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. Real estate investing is not rocket science, but it's not a fairy tale either. It's an incredible investment vehicle that builds and grows wealth. I have done it, and this is why so many of the wealthiest people in America and in the world, actually, invest in real estate as well. Listen in every week to learn about all the different real estate asset classes, which strategies experienced and successful investors use to live their best lives and the processes to do it. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just listen in every week to grow your knowledge along with me and to move your finances to a place where you can live an extraordinary life. This show is sponsored by my company, Blue Lake Capital, where we help passive investors grow their wealth through large multifamily investments and funds. To learn more about my company and invest in with me, visit www.bluelake-capital.com. Welcome to Ready to Scale Season 4. Let's get started. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman, broadcasting from California, from Los Angeles, my favorite city. And today I have a very interesting guest that came from the legal world, and we're going to talk about estate planning and asset protection and what you need to know to build generational wealth and protect it. And her name is Nuria Kakar, and she is a specialist when it comes to estate planning. So a little bit about Nuria. She's the owner and general partner of Kakar Law Services. She's an attorney that specializes in estate planning and tax resolution, real estate, franchising, and small business matters. She's a lifelong entrepreneur. You know, similar to what I do, she's also an entrepreneur, and she previously owned two Little Caesars in a retail store. And after completing her JD from law school, she worked at Shelton Law and Associates focused on estate planning, business, real estate, wills, and trusts. And she lives in California, like me. She is in Sacramento, which is kind of uh, a few hours, not a short drive, but still in California. Welcome to the show, Nuria. I'm really, really excited to have you here today. Thank you. All right. So, you know, I know that many investors, real estate investors, the thing that they are worried about and interested in learning more is estate planning, asset protection. We're going to talk all about that. And before we start kind of talking about the process of how you can protect your assets, before we dive into the questions, I would like to ask you if you can talk a little bit about your background and how you ended up, you know, in law and real estate. All right. So I'm actually an immigrant, just like you. I came to the United States when I was eight or nine with my widow mother and uh, three other siblings, and we lived in the housing projects. Um, and so anytime we complained about anything, my mother's rule always was, you know, I can hear you, know, go attend an education and get out of here. And that kind of was my drive. And I always wanted to be an attorney, so that was my goal. 
my real estate to Portland. Like I said, I'm an immigrant, so the American dream always was to have a you know home and, and two and a half children and you know the American dream. And then two, once I grew up and I had my American dream, bought my first home when I was 20, got my job, you know, went. Then I realized really quick after I had my children is I want a life work balance. And I look around me and everybody's very educated, you know, they have good jobs, good education. Life is settled, but life means Monday through Friday, eight to five, paycheck to paycheck. And I decided I didn't want to do that. And so started looking around, okay, what can I do to change that? Because I don't want to do that. I want to give my kids more priority. That's not my goal in life is not just to provide. And real estate was the easy thing. It was an understood thing. Whether you're poor, you know, like myself and the housing projects or you're rich, you need a home. Everybody needs a place to live. And unfortunately in American society, material, you know, we are very much into material. Everybody needs a place to source stuff. And so between the how easy it was for me at least to understand compared to, you know, Bitcoin and the stock market and all of that. This was something easy and stable. And this was something, like I said, I saw it didn't matter which world I went to, it was always necessary. Um, so that's kind of how I jumped into real estate. Awesome. Let's uh, transition to the first part of our conversation about asset. Why do you think real estate investments in real estate are good assets for estate planning? And what is estate planning anyways? So estate planning is you have to have assets or an estate to actually plan. So if you have nothing, you don't have to worry about anything. But once you accumulate you know, the assets or the wealth or semi-accumulate what it is, then you want to plan for what is it that you want to do with it. How do you want your kids or say tomorrow you're not around the people that are left behind? How do you want them to manage it? And estate planning is the best way, you know, we refer to it as the hand beyond the grave, you know, to manage the affairs. So you write up your estate plan and, you know, what your assets are, how you want those assets to be managed and dealt with. So it's a good tool to use not only to avoid probate and the state or the government you know, getting into your business, but also for you to plan it and not just say, God forbid, you pass away tomorrow and your kids 17, 18 is getting all these assets and blowing through it in a year or two. That's not your goal. That's not why you work so hard. So estate planning is that it's just making sure you have a plan in place, whether you're there or not, you're managing your assets exactly how you want it. And when it comes to estate planning, Well, basically, your estate can be real estate, bonds, cash, whatever you have. There's no type of asset that cannot be part of estate planning, right? Correct. Oh, yeah. Estate planning, anything you own can be in that estate, basically. So planning is how you're managing it. Why real estate particularly is a good blend for estate planning to have, you know, that generational wealth is, again, everybody needs a home. And so real estate is important for that. Real estate is easy to understand. It's stable. You know, over time, it's very steady. I mean, you're going to go through your ups and downs, but eventually when you have, you know, you put out your 10, 15, 20 and beyond, it's always going to go up in value. If nothing else, you'll go up in value, at least with inflation to catch up with that. It's a really good tool for your estate in order for it to grow. Otherwise, you know, you have 100K, you put it in that trust. And if you do nothing to it, it doesn't really grow. In fact, it's going to shrink. And so 
that's where I like the marriage between the two is you can have an estate and then do the planning. And so real estate helps me build that estate. That's great. Obviously, it makes a lot of sense with inflation. Money in the bank is worth less today than it was yesterday. So, you know, some people think it might be safer to be liquid and save cash, but just think about the value. A dollar today is not necessarily worth a dollar tomorrow, but if you invest it in real estate, if the asset is doing well, it will keep appreciating over time. And so I want to transition to the process part of our conversation. Talk about top to bottom asset protection. How do you protect your assets from top to bottom? And I know that this is a very open-ended question and you can probably talk about it for hours, but what are the main things that you think our listeners would want to know about protecting your assets? How do you do that? So like you said, this subject could take hours and hours and it could be split up and sliced so many different ways. I will specifically address the top to bottom and then slightly mention the bottom to top as well. So one, you have to have assets. If you don't have anything, nobody really cares about you. But once you do have assets, everybody likes you. Just, I mean, step out and check out the billboards. Injury, accidents, anything, you know, everybody is really so happy and want to get at you. And the first thing they do if an accident or something happens is run to their lawyer and then run your social and see what you have and how much you have and see if you're worthy. And so the top to bottom has to work with the bottom to top portion. And what I mean by that is you have to have a, for example, the top to bottom would be establishing a trust. And so you establish a trust and for the benefit of your children, for the benefit of whoever your beneficiaries are. And instead of owning those assets in your personal name, you own it in the name of the trust. And so everything gets transferred over, whether it's the property, the bank accounts, everything. And what that does is several things. One, like I said, it removes it from your name. Two, it totally avoids the state and probate and all of that process. And three, it creates a long-term plan, whether you're there or not. It tells you exactly and tells the people after you exactly what you want to have done. What assets to spend where, how, and when, whether that's on your children, whether that's on expanding the business, et cetera, when to wind down, what items to include or exclude, how you know risk averse or not you should be. So that's the top bottom approach of making sure that your affairs are handled. And it becomes kind of an automatic process. And hand in hand, you know, and I know, you know, we'll talk about it kind of beyond uh, a little bit later. But what goes hand in hand with this is the bottom to top is you have the assets, say you have a home or property, somebody slips and falls, they're going to try to sue that property. And so you try to limit it and cap it at every level. And again, you don't want to own that asset. That asset is going to be owned by another structure, by another structure. And eventually that structure is owned by the trust. So you want to put in as many layers as you can between your assets and yourself in order to protect it from outsiders and from insiders, you know, and insiders, I consider like your trustees, your children, your, you know, whomever who you've worked so hard to protect and plan these things. Yet, if you don't do any estate planning, you're just giving it right to them the next time, you know, you're in surgery and out of touch, you know, or you're out of the country and not available or God forbid, you're not here. So that's what estate planning will do from the top to bottom. 
There's an interesting thing that you've mentioned that I wanted to ask you about. You mentioned that you're protecting the assets from outsiders. For instance, if someone is suing the property, you know, you own, let's say a rental, a house, and someone slips and falls and they sue you. So if this asset is owned by a trust, does it mean that the trust has liabilities so it can be exposed also to you know lawsuits or is there a way to protect the the trust quote unquote from it so there's maybe another entity that can take the fault for it or be liable for it so you're protecting the assets as much as possible is this something you can do yes definitely so there are multiple multiple layers you want and how i structure everything is that's where that bottom top approach comes. Then I'll kind of go over everything and then it'll make sense as to why you want to do top bottom and bottom top. So say you own a property in Florida and two in Texas and you know three in Tennessee and so on and so forth. You want to create an LLC for the Florida property, a Florida LLC for the Florida property and put that in there. You do not want to do one LLC and put all of your state rentals in there. You want to do for the Texas, if you have, you know, two, okay, three maybe in one LLC, but it should, one, depend on the value, two, again, depending on how risk averse or risk sensitive you are. So basically, even if you put it in within one LLC, if you have three properties in there, now if somebody slips and falls in property A, because the other two properties are also in the same LLC, that particular LLC could be exposed. So the benefit of the LLC is, is that the risk is cut right at the LLC Mm -hmm. level. It doesn't go up to the trust, which owns the LLC. But still, if within the LLC, there are three, then those three are exposed, which is why like Florida, the way I set it up is I'll have two, maybe three properties, again, depending on value and your risk averseness, is you'll place your Florida assets in the Florida LLC your Texas rentals and the Texas LLC and so on and so forth. And then I'll have a Wyoming LLC that owns these each individual state level LLCs. And then the Wyoming LLC is owned by the trust. And what that does is it creates a lot of levels. So again, somebody slips and falls in Florida, it caps it at the Florida level. For whatever reason, they go beyond that and, you know, pierce through the Florida then they get stuck at Wyoming. Wyoming is really hard to get beyond. Then they go up to the trust. So you're correct. If you just have all of your rentals owned by the trust, all you've done is transfer the risk or the liability from your personal name to the trust. But all of the assets in the trust gets exposed to everything they own. So you want to switch as much as you can and put in layers in between as much as you can so that each one of the assets are not liable for each other, that they're their own individual per se. One of the things that probably some of our listeners are thinking about right now is, okay, I have kids. I want to secure the future. I have a few assets. I can put the assets in in the trust, but then I don't get control or access to the cash flow or the capital gains if the asset is sold. So if you put assets in a trust, does it mean that you're giving up control and it's basically not your asset anymore? Or is there some way to maintain some control or enjoy the cash flow of that asset? Does it mean that once you put the asset there, all the 
the income, the profits from the asset does not belong to you anymore and you cannot use it? How does it work? That is not accurate. So the trust, again, we'll just use, pretend we have one asset. We have a Florida rental. It's owned by the Florida LLC. The loan could be in my personal name because a lot of these LLCs, when you start them out, they're not going to be eligible for regular conventional loans. So the loan would be in my personal name. The rental and the cash flow comes into the Florida LLC, but Florida LLC is owned by the Wyoming. So the cash flow, you just transfer directly to Wyoming. And from the Wyoming, it could hold it or it could disperse it to the trust. However, when you set up the trust, you can be the trustor, the creator of the trust, and you can be the trustee. So you're the manager and you have full control. And because it's a private document, there's no government or entity coming telling you, you cannot be the manager, you cannot pull the cash, you cannot do X, Y, Z. You're the trustee. You have all of your rights and responsibilities, including pulling out the assets, reinvesting it, taking out the cash flow, you know, spending it however you need to spend it because who are the beneficiaries and who put them there? It's your trust that you created. You made those rules. You're going to make the rules how it, you know, affects you and how it applies to you. So, you know, I have my kids, I have my trust, they're all minors. I'm still managing everything. I still have 100% control as a trustee because I'm their manager. I'm the trust for layman's term, I'm the manager, but officially I'm the trustee. So you still have 100% control. That's important to know. All right. Well, Nuria, I want to transition to the strategy part of our conversation to talk about estate planning versus asset protection. So when it comes to, you know, those two terms, if you can kind of talk about the difference between them and the different mechanism and tools that you can use. A lot of people confuse asset protection and estate planning. And a lot of people I run into will say, oh, I protected my assets. And I say, how so? They said, oh, I created a trust and transferred all my assets. A trust is not an asset protection tool. It's an estate planning. It plans how your assets should be handled if and when you're not there. That's all it does. It sets those rules in place. And so what asset protection and trust together, if you do, you know, create those LLCs, like I was stating, transfer those LLCs then to the estate planning, then to your name, creating those LLCs and creating the trust itself and putting in those layers, that's how you get the protection and the planning. So you have to do both. And you have to follow the rules of both. A lot of people believe that if they just create the LLC, it's like a little gift box that you buy and put on the shelf, that it has you protected. No, you have to follow through with the rules and requirements. And same thing for the trust. If things change, you have to amend and you have to change the rules and you have to add the assets or remove the assets. Otherwise, it's stale and it's no longer up to date. So I want people to understand that they have to do both, that asset protection is a tool that you can use to help you in your estate planning, you know, in how your wealth grows and how your assets are protected and distributed and whatnot. They're not the same. Yeah. And it's obviously... If someone accumulated wealth and assets and wanted to protect their assets, they need to hire someone to help them navigate it because it's so complex and nuanced, depends on probably where you live and the different rules there. And it's not easy 
to protect your assets. So if you have assets and you want to make sure you're you know protecting your wealth and help you know maintain it, because this is how you really build generational wealth when you use the right tools and platforms to protect it. So the wealth will keep growing from one generation to another and not stop at some point, because as you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, you know, within a year or two, you know, all this money can be spent if there's no structure in place and legal tools that can help protect this wealth. Noria, before we move to the lightning round questions part, anything that you wanted to add, any kind of final thoughts on the subject? I think final thoughts, you know, just touching base a little bit on yours is we work so hard to build these assets and yet we either drop the ball at the point where, you know, we need to protect them, like creating the LLCs or we say, okay, oh, I'm afraid somebody's going to sue me. Let's establish these LLCs and whatever. And you forget to do the planning part is like, okay, awesome. You have these assets. They're protected. Nobody's going to sue them. Now you're not there tomorrow, that assets and whatnot that you worked so hard to accumulate, the next person or group or kids, whomever, they take over and they can squash and just do whatever with it, maybe even to their detriment. You know, who knows how a 17, 18 year old can handle 100K, a million, whatever, you know, the amount is. You might actually forget benefiting them, maybe it's to their detriment. So, but we tend to forget that or it's too complicated or we think it's too expensive. Therefore we can put it off. And so we do all of the hard work. We do all of the running around, but we forget to either protect it or yes, we protected it, but we forgot to plan for it. Absolutely. All right, Noria, I really appreciate, you know, the education and sharing your thoughts on estate planning and asset protection, two very, very important topics. So we've arrived to the lightning round questions. And the first question that I have for you is what's your favorite hobby? I love to read and anything real estate related really Mm -hmm. fires me up. (laughs) All right. Wonderful. And what's the one thing that people don't know about you? I got married when I barely turned 16. Wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Wow. (laughs) A lot of people look at that and, you know, like, whoa, what happened? But kind of normal in my culture and in those circumstances. Still with my husband and, you know, four beautiful kids. Wow. Yeah. So I was still in high school. Wow. I feel like that should have been the topic of our conversation. (laughs) Wow. Interesting. Okay. What book have you recently read that inspired you and you want to share it with us? I think the book that inspired me the most, and this is so cliche, is of course, The Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But recently with my 11-year-old, we finished Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and now we're reading the quad series, you know, where the E and the I and whatnot. So basically, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's books with my kids. Mm -hmm. And the four quadrants. The four quadrants, there you go. But it's funny how when I read it and then how when I read it out loud with my 11-year-old, the perspective and the things that comes out and the nuances. Mm. It just really caught me off guard. A lot of the things I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, it's... It was one of my favorite books. I think even more than Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because it really explains uh, the misconception and kind of how people think that a business owner and a self-employed are the same, but they're not. And how people are trying to move from an employee to an investor, but they're kind of steps along the way. It's very interesting. And once 
you understand the four quadrants, things look a bit different and you understand where you were and where you are and where you want to be. And I found it fascinating. What's really fascinating is trying to break it down to an 11 year old. You kind of have a level. And when you do, it's an eye opener. It's like the 11 year old and me came out, you know, because I saw things completely from a different perspective. Don't you wish that someone read that book to you when you were 11 years old? Oh, yeah. All right, Nuria, I really appreciate you coming on the show and spending some time with me talking about the very, very important, you know, topics of asset protection and estate planning. If listeners would like to reach out to you and discuss the ways that they can protect their assets and their wealth, where can they find you? How can they reach out to you? I am available on LinkedIn. Actually, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me is just go and find my profile on LinkedIn. Feel free to send me a message and I'll try to respond. All right. Wonderful. Noria, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. And it's a pleasure. Absolutely. My pleasure is all mine. Well, that's it for today, guys. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. I know that I'm leaving this conversation a little bit smarter than I was about 35 minutes ago. And thank you, Nuria, again. If you, the listeners, if you would like to speak with my team about investing in multifamily, complete the new investor form on our website, bluelake-capital.com. Until then, guys, be bold, be great, and create your own kind of extraordinary life. And I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.